listening to Living Witnesses here on Real Life Radio, and we are preparing for our consecration with 33 Days to Morning Glory, a do-it-yourself retreat in preparation for Marian consecration. I have Julie Musselman with me today and Mary Beth Finster, and we're going to be reading the actual, actually from the book. We're going to be reading from 33 Days to Morning Glory. We are on day number 13, which is page 59 in the book. If you don't have your own copies of these resources yet, need to check it out. 33daystomorningglory.com. That's 33daystomorningglory.com. You can get a copy of the book, 33 Days to Morning Glory, and the Retreat Companion, which is a workbook. The second part of the program, we go through this workbook and discuss the questions that are in there and give you an opportunity to ponder those as we share our answers with you. Day 13, the title of today's chapter is To Be an Instrument Rather to Be Instruments. Mary Beth, can you please begin reading for us? Thank you. St. Maximilian, he didn't want to just ask for graces from the Immaculata. He wanted to be the graces of the Immaculata. He didn't just want to do the will of the Immaculata. He wanted to be the will of the Immaculata. Wait a minute. Be the graces and the will of the Immaculata. This is a little too much. (laughs) I don't get this. Not according to Colby's reasoning. (laughs) Well, I guess he figured that if people can give themselves over to Satan to be possessed by him and be his instruments of evil, why can't people give themselves over to God to be possessed by him and be his instruments of love? He further reasoned that more than anyone, the Immaculata is possessed. That's in quotes by the Holy Spirit. So why not ask to be possessed by her so as to be perfectly united to God's will? Okay, let me explain this in other words. It it wasn't enough for him just to be Mary's slave, as St. Louis de Montfort often put it. He wanted something deeper. He wanted to be an instrument in the hands of the Immaculata. To be an instrument in the hands of the Immaculata... This is the central idea to Colby's whole vision of Marian consecration. Thus, he writes it directly into his prayer of consecration. And that consecration starts with, let me be a fit instrument in your immaculate and merciful hands. To what purpose? The conversion of the entire world. Come on, Colby, isn't he getting a little bit carried away here? I mean, what can one man do? But this gets to the main point, his master strategy. His own peace wasn't the only part of his master plan. In fact, he wanted to rise up a whole army of fighting knights and soldiers who give themselves to be instruments in the grace-filled hands of the Immaculata. He wanted to build a militia Immaculata, which he describes as following from the book, quoted, One More Gift by Luigi Facenta. The Knights of the Immaculata seek to become ever more truly the property of the Immaculata to belong to her in ever more perfect way and under every aspect without any exception. They wish to develop their understanding of what it means to belong to her so that they may enlighten, reinvigorate, and set on fire the souls living in their own environment and make them similar to themselves. They desire to conquer these souls for the Immaculata so that in their turn they may belong to her without reserve and may in this manner win an ever greater number of souls to her may win the entire world, in fact, and do so in the shortest possible time. Mary, one of the sentences you just quoted in that passage, so that they might enlighten, invigorate, and set on fire the souls living in their own environment, 
just really jumped out at me because that's the whole reason we're reading this book together and making up the podcast is because we know this can go out to all over creation and people in their own environment can then enlighten, reinvigorate, and set on fire the souls living there. So that's really exciting because I think that is part of what our mission is in going through this book together. And even when he used the sentence up in the paragraph above, whole army of fighting knights and soldiers. I actually feel that from the multiple times that I've done the consecration. I have felt that foot soldier mentality while I'm not or ever have been in the military. But it's like Mary is on the move, and Father Gately uses that, that word and that, that mindset that we can help train others, oftentimes just handing them the book, and they don't have to know all these big words. Mary just so leads us, and through the mystical body and through the, those that we're praying with and reading it with, we all help each other, but it's just spreading the word, and it's going like wildfire across our country. It's really a beautiful time to be alive in the church, and I always cling to Romans 5.20, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more, because we sure see darkness in our days, and yet we are filled with hope. So we'll continue. And it's genius, uh, what he writes. Notice the brilliant logic that undergirds Colby's whole strategy. If we really love God, if we truly long to work for his kingdom, then we should find the quickest and easiest way to become saints and thereby return to him. Now, the quickest and easy way to do this, as we learned from Demontefort, is through Marian consecration. Yet, Colby takes this farther. He didn't just stop with himself. He didn't just keep the great saint-making secret, so to speak, to himself. Look at it this way. What's better, one saint or two? A thousand saints or a million? Think of what a million saints fully consecrated to Mary, could do. Imagine if Mary had a million instruments through whom she could fulfill the perfect will of God. It's an amazing thought. So Colby exclaims, teach others the way. Conquer more souls for the Immaculata. If this is the quickest, easiest way to become a saint, then it's also the quickest, easiest way to conquer the whole world for Christ. If only we teach others about it. So Colby says, let's get to work. Yes, let's begin by learning to live this consecration ourselves and then bring it to others. Well, teach others this way. That is the key. And, you know, Mary, by providing this podcast, many of the resources that are on 33 Days to Morning Glory, um, there's so many ways that anyone could just grab the ball and go with it. It could be just a few people in your home. It could be through cyberspace. A lot of the groups that I've just led is just people wanting to read the book, get through it, and, and we start and we do an email distribution. And now some of the images are there. There's so many ways that all of us can be foot soldiers. It's not just for a priest. I want to okay, also, so first- also want to include here another great way to engage is if you are in a situation where you don't have a group to work with, by all means, listen to the podcast, and then you can start dialogue and commenting after the podcast. We would love to hear feedback on the podcast and, and, and people engaging in that way. We are seeing through our analytics the number of people that are tuning in every single day to the podcast is growing every day. It's beautiful to see what God is doing with our imperfect recordings here, how he's using them for his glory. Okay, so first things first, we need to learn to live this consecration to the Immaculata. 
We need to belong to her in, in an ever more perfect way. So how do we do this? Help. It's simple. <laughs> it's simple. We learn to love the Immaculata. How? Well, we need to rely on her powerful intercession, experience her tender care, speak to her from our hearts, letting ourselves be led by her, having recourse to her in all things, and trusting her completely. Yes, we should especially trust in the Immaculata and be happy in her. We should follow the example of Colby related to us by one of his religious brothers. This is quoted from the, the book A Man for Others, St. Maximilian Colby, St. of Auschwitz by Patricia Trise. She writes, When things were going well, he rejoiced with all his heart, with everyone, and fervently thanked the Immaculata for the graces received through her intercession. When things went badly, he was still happy and used to say, Why should we be sad? Doesn't the Immaculata, our little mother, know everything that's going on? Tomorrow we'll learn more about Colby's form of consecration to our little mother. Today, let's end by reflecting on his words. My dear, dear brothers and our dear little, little, little mother, the Immaculate Mary can do anything for us. We are her children. Turn to her. She will overcome everything. And we close out today with our prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, living in Mary, prepare me to be a fit instrument in the hands of the Immaculata. Amen. And that wraps up our reading for day 13 of our 33 Days to Morning Glory. It is preparation to consecrate our lives to Jesus Christ through the Immaculate Heart of Mary. There is a prayer that we pray every single week. We have, we have a different prayer assigned. And this week's prayer is the Subtuum Parasidium. Let us pray. We fly to your patronage, O Holy Mother of God. Despise not our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us from all danger. O ever-glorious and blessed Virgin, amen. Amen. Coming up after the break, we are going to go through the questions that are in the Retreat Companion that's written by Carol R. Younger. You can get your copy of this retreat materials at 33daystomorningglory.com. That's 33daystomorningglory.com. We're going to wrap up this segment by listening to this song from Randy Albright on Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses. In heaven, a great wonder was seen. Crown of twelve stars and moon under her feet The handmaid of the Holy One A woman clothed with the sun Woman clothed with the sun Since time
Welcome back to Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses. It is time for us to review the questions that go with our 33 Days to Morning Glory retreat with our retreat companion written by Carol R. Younger. And we're on page 57. If you don't have your copy of these books yet, you can get them at 33daystomorningglory.com. That's the numbers 33daystomorningglory.com. So day 13, question number one. There are many kinds of instruments, musical instruments, kitchen utensils, implements of war, garden tools. They are only as good as the person who knows how to use them. It takes a great musician to make use of a Stradivarius violin in a concert. Mary will use you as her instrument. You'll become an instrument of her love for her children. In writing, try to explain this being an instrument of love to someone and how important this privilege is to you. Mary Beth, all of your children are playing multiple instruments, musical instruments. And let's just go with that analogy briefly before we talk about being the instrument of love. Talk a little bit about the instruments your children play, the training they've had, and how you see that that resembles the instruments that we need to be under the care of Our Lady. Well, I'm good because I'm a mess in the kitchen and I can't garden, so I, the musical <laughs> instrument uh, imagery is much better for me. And and what's interesting is with music, it, it is such a wonderful way to glorify God. Of course, kids don't look at it when they're grow- growing up. And, you know, let's just take the piano. My, my Four of my five play instruments. The other little guy's too young yet. but And we've got every instrument under the sun and then piano. And, of course, most of them never want to practice, especially in the early years when, when they're about up to about 10 or 11, 12. But the beauty of it came when my the oldest was 13, and she looked at me and she says, thank you for pushing me. Now I'm beginning to love it. And and that ability to uh, master something, the piano, in this example, she had to know what her purpose is. And, and a lot of it is a goal. She was working towards a goal. And oftentimes it was through our church. We had a wonderful stepping stone of ministries where they actually could play. Because if they're just practicing, it, it, it's it's sheer torture for them but because they had you yeah well yes exactly but it's and because it's hard to motivate them but they always had that weekly praise band experience and that would be their goal and their purpose for their practice and i look at that as you know ultimately when you say that you're going to be an instrument of love for mary my purpose i know my purpose is we are all children of god obviously we have that that may look different the hat is different for each person but our ultimate purpose is that we're children of God, and I'm supposed to be used as an instrument to bring others into this family. One of the things that struck me as you were talking is, if you have a piano in your living room, and it's a beautiful piece of furniture, but nobody ever touches it and plays it, it's just a beautiful piece of furniture. If you have someone who's been trained to play, they can make that piano come alive, and and as you said, especially in traditional beautiful music, give glory to God. And I think that really encapsulates us. We are children of God by our baptism, but we can really be a shell. If we're not actively engaged in our faith and wanting to learn our faith and drawing closer to Our Lady, we're just kind of there. But when she comes into our lives, when we consecrate, she can pick up this this shell that we are and really, I think, inspire us, motivate us, train us, and give us a lot more than we are just by ourselves. Well, and, and Julie, it's true because I don't know how to play the piano. So you can sit me in front of that 
beautiful piece of furniture, and nothing will come out but banging. When my daughter sits in front of it, even with they tell me it's out of tune. I, I couldn't tell. They know the imperfections of every note because that's what they scrutinize about themselves. But they know how, and they know the purpose, and they allow the music to flow through their gift. Let's look at question number two, which this one really struck me when we were reading. Uh, it talks about satanic possession. Unfortunately, that is a reality. I had never pondered this before, that God can also possess us in his holiness. What progress are you making toward being possessed by Mary in the manner described by St. Maximilian so you can grow in holiness? Do not say not much. You are very near the 14th day of progress, a whole half a month of progress. List the prayers, changes in attitude, longings for holiness, anything of that nature that's impacting you at this point. Mary, first I'd like to say very clearly that satanic possession is real. We've all, those of us of a certain age, have grown up seeing movies like Carrie and, you know, The Spinning Head and and all of those kind of crazy movies. And, And I think one of the tactics of the devil is to make himself seem so bizarre and crazy that he couldn't possibly be real. And yet you talk to any priest, anyone who's been on an exorcism team, uh, even just as you become more aware of it in your own life, Satan is the roaring lion looking who he can devour, right, all day long. I want to say, too, that oftentimes he doesn't necessarily possess as much as he does oppress. And that's very real in everybody's life. That is very real, and that's a good point. So first of all, in our day and age, many people don't believe in hell. They don't believe in the devil. They think he's like this cute little red guy running around, you know, Mm -hmm. like an elf almost, just kind of cute and causing trouble. That is not the case. Satan is real. Unfortunately, Satan possession, satanic possession is real. And so let's look at the flip side of that. And I, I love this question because think of how we could then be possessed by Mary and grow in that holiness. And if we look back to the book on page uh, 61 in italics, it, it asks that question. How do we do this? How do we grow in love of the Immaculata? And it gives several ways that we kind of read through quickly, but I'd like to kind of open those up and tear them apart at this, at this point. The first way is we rely on her powerful intercession. We ask her to pray for us. Just like I'd ask Mary Beth to pray for me when I'm going through a hard time, I'll ask Our Lady, pray for me. We experience her tender care. Sometimes we might not see it, but as we're praying more and being open to the Spirit, her Spirit of love, I think we will begin seeing it more and more. We speak to her from our hearts. We let her know our daily needs and challenges and desires. She's our mother. If my mother was sitting here right next to me, I would tell her my heart for every one of my children, for myself, my family, uh, everything. We let ourselves be led by her. We have recourse to her in all things. And the last part, we trust her completely. And also, I'd love to interject right here just the the gift the church has in St. Ignatius and the spiritual exercises, which Father Gately, in his second book, Consoling the Heart of Jesus, will go into in a little more depth. But that has helped me personally. And, of course, I've never done the the 30-month retreat or anything like that. But I have gone through the spiritual exercises, and it does help me 
need to discern um, the voice of God and and rejecting the evil one. And then I'm able to clearly hear Mary um, amidst all the things of the world and know what's coming from God and what's not. Since you brought that up, Mary Beth, I do want to kind of let the cat out of the bag a little bit here. That's our next goal is to work on the spiritual exercises for our next podcast. So if you're hearing Mary Beth thinking, oh, I really want to do that, your opportunity is going to be coming up after we finish this retreat. Yay! I'm in. (laughs) We'll be using Consoling the Heart of Jesus, written also by Father Michael Gately, to do that. And it'll be very exciting. So many groups across the country are forming to do Consoling the Heart of Jesus, Mary, just like they've been forming mm-hmm. for 33 Days to Morning Glory. And that's kind of the next step. After you consecrate, okay, that's good. What do you do next? And Consoling the Heart of Jesus is a tremendous resource. And can I mention one more thing? You know, yesterday it was uh, talked about the miraculous medal. Um, when I saw that word possess, I actually, after putting this on about 12 years ago, the medal. The medal, the miraculous medal, not really knowing what it was, just thinking it was a cross. And now, 12 years later, I had actually feel that word, possessed. Mm -hmm. Because when I said, Mary, I will do anything for you, those words were directly the result of doing this consecration. I don't think I would have openly and made that kind of an intentional uh, sentence to willingly do it. You know how, like, kind of we give lip service? Right. That I actually said to her in in private prayer, and I really feel that I'm genuinely committed to carrying that out. I think it's beautiful so the- as we as we ponder because, as Julie mentioned, we all know and we all hear of the demonic possession. The whole thought of having Mary and God possess me—you never think of that. That connection is never made. And when I think about the angel Gabriel coming to Mary and saying, you are full of grace, I think, wow, if I let her possess me, does that mean I'm full of grace, too? <laughs> and, and and that wording with her in the Annunciation, full of grace, that also gives evidence towards her immaculate mm-hmm. conception, because full means completely, totally, all the way full of, of grace. And that is something beautiful to think about, Mary. I love, as we're growing towards that seeing the pieces, seeing the threads that are coming together in our own lives. I wish I had put the name Grace in all my children's names. Yes. <laughs> Just one. I, I only thought of it for one. Nice. Well, it is time for us to wrap up this half of the questions. We do have questions three and four yet to come. We'll hear those right after the break here on Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses. In heaven, a great wonder was seen. Crown of twelve stars and moon under her feet The handmaid of the Holy One A woman clothed with the sun woman clothed with the sun Since time
to Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses with Mary Graham. Our guests today, Julie Musselman and Mary Beth Finster. We are reviewing the questions in our retreat companion for 33 Days to Morning Glory that is written by Carol R. Younger. We are on day 13. And we're on page 58 in the workbook. Make sure if you don't have your copy of these books yet that you go to 33daystomorningglory.com and get your own sets that you can have on hand and you can write notes. Let's get right into the questions here. On question number three, words like militia and knighthood appeal to men. They are fighting words. However, can this ideal of winning the world for the Immaculata be made appealing to a wider audience, including teens and women, even children? Perhaps you don't think it even needs softening. What are your thoughts on this? I actually don't think it needs softening because, honestly, those strong words kind of light a fire under me. You have to have a bit of radicalness to actually get under something, under a mission. If you kind of just are lazy about it or use soft words, that isn't mo- at least it's not motivating to me. This kind of puts real emphasis on, on fighting. I feel strength. I feel an urgency. I like it because obviously we've had a we had the Marian missionaries talk yesterday on their show, so it was great to bring some men in to the consecration. We've had a primary focus with some of the women doing it, but the consecration is for everyone. It's for men, women, and even teens particularly. I think everything we're talking about would be a great thing to bring to your family, to your teenage children, and and, and talk through with them. Teens really want to tear things apart and understand things, and I truly believe St. Pope John Paul II understood that And when he created the World Youth Days. He knew that teens want to stand up and have a purpose and a mission, and this is a great thing to introduce to them for sure. Fighting words, we talked one episode back about how many of us have kind of a fighting spirit. I, I said that I have an Irish background, Mary Beth's Italian, and, and a lot of those nationalities have some feistiness to them. So I really enjoy being in the Militia Immaculata. I like that thought. of, And it's also a team thought. It's not being alone. Any kind of uh, military, militia, army, navy, it's not one man or woman out there alone. It's a team of people protecting and uh, taking care of all of us. And, and let's just give a big hats off to all our current military and our veterans that have served our country. Amen to that. You also think of teens as they kind of have this rebellious spirit about them. We kind of all go through that in our teen years. What a great way to turn that rebellion, that fight into a fight for Our Lady against the secularism in society. It's a big need right now. Yes, it is. I love what you're saying there, Mary. And going back to St. Louis de Montefort, the anger that his father mm-hmm. had Remember that first page where mm-hmm. he talked about that they he generated it into the zeal for God. So while we might have some of this fighting temperance in our personalities, if we direct it, like the fire hose analogy as well, then we can direct it to something good and purposeful for God's kingdom. The fourth and final question for today, love and trust are always partners. Learning to love the Immaculata takes a great deal of trust which involves dependence on her intercession, letting ourselves be led by her, accepting her direction, speaking our prayers to her directly from our hearts. What experiences with trust, becoming dependent on someone and taking direction from him or her, have you had in the past? Do you look forward to these experiences of dependency on Mary? 
Trust. <laughs> That's a word, isn't it, that we all can uh, talk about quite a bit. I know in my own life, I am really trying to learn trust more. In fact, a couple of years ago, I, I got a handmade ceramic cross that's in my bedroom wall that just says T-R-U-S-T, trust, because I think part of it is cultural in America. We're taught to bring, up, bring ourselves up on our own bootstraps, get our own way, do it yourself, and that is really the antithesis of trusting someone and relying, that reliance on someone. So in my own life, it's been a big battle for me to trust more and to be open to working with other people, relying on them. And But as I've consecrated and learned to trust with Our Lady, I feel like she's really molding my heart more and more to trust her son, to trust in God for all my questions, all my needs, all the things that seem scary to me. And I, I do feel like I've been able to grow in trust slowly, not overnight, for sure. And I look at those two words, love and trust, as probably the most simplification of the gospel. Those two words are how I would describe the gospel. And, I, and when it says, do you look forward to these experiences of dependence on Mary? I Yes, I do, because when I wake up in the morning and I get ready to do that prayer time when God avails that time and maybe something doesn't come up, but I do look forward to what God is going to communicate and, and, and how Mary is going to lead me that day. It is in every single, single second of your day that this is all being revealed. And when you look at even the negative things, that that, that is how God is working in your life. Then you don't start to try to orchestrate it. You just know that and you trust that what's happening ultimately is in the grand scheme, you may not be able to see it yet. And that's just so hard for us uh, to really comprehend. But when you consecrate, that becomes easier. Let's talk a little bit about trust and love as partners as it relates to a marital relationship. You can tell your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend all day long, I love you, I love you, I love you. But if you don't trust them to do the right thing, if you don't, some people will say, I I can't trust them to be out of my sight, you know, then you don't have a, a very good foundation to build your relationship on. Well, and even understanding the types of love, I mean, between agape, which is the true sacrificial love, that not only is our example through Christ, but the example that we should be leading in our marriage. And I'm trying to differentiate that between the eros and, and the other types of the way the Greeks have described it. And once I kind of really looked at agape love, and, and, and you know, oftentimes it's been through the most difficult moments, especially of caregiving um, with, with the illness, mm-hmm. maybe of an elderly parent or um, a spouse or a child. And when you are sacrificing, which means that you can't just go on vacation or you just can't go and and exercise when you want or do any of the things that you want to do. That truly is agape love, and that is is something that brings the most fulfillment in growing closer to Mary's heart and to ultimately the sacred heart of Jesus. I I think of this too. I see both of you ladies and myself. I think we tend to be dominant females. <laughs> and, Come on, you think? 
Should we get the three husbands on the phone? That's exactly where I was going to go with that one. I'll play the fifth on that one. And sometimes that dying and trusting that to our spouses is, is the difficult part. It could be hard. But when we do, when we do, the glory comes. We had a huge transition in our marriage, uh, probably about the 10 or 15 year mark. When we first got married, we were dinks. We were double income, no kids. Remember that acronym? And uh, we had a lot of very equal things in our marriage. We both worked. We both made money. We split the job responsibilities. And then we had children. And we had that little fight back and forth of my turn, your turn. You got a day out. I need a day out. We, We worked through some of that. But really, I think, our marriage really took off when I was in Bible study learning about Ephesians 5, wives be submissive to your husbands, mm-hmm. men love your wives as Christ loves the church. When I was able to wrap around, not that we become a doormat, not that we do anything ridiculously stupid that our husband says, but that we let him lead, be the head, and we try more and more to be the heart of the family, mm-hmm. that was a tremendous time of, of growth for us, and, and I think it really changed our entire relationship. And when you do, you know, especially when you are strong, a little strong-willed, mm-hmm. those of us who, who are, that's a, that's a big sacrifice. But when we can trust, when we can let someone else lead and put our trust in them, that enables them to do the best they can. And I love just that image of, you know, going back to the question of, of Mary, trusting her and letting her lead all of us in our relationships, in our finances, in our children, in all the things that we have on a day-to-day basis. We need to look at the relationship, too, between Mary and the Trinity. I think about the um, Sister Faustina and the message that comes from Divine Mercy is that of trust. Jesus, I trust in you. So within that trust, we need to trust the mother-father figure that we have between Mary and the Trinity, just as we are meant to be an image of that with our relationship with our spouses. We're meant to be, but we're so far from being perfect as they are. But if we emulate what they are, how much more joy and grace will we have in our life? Well, let's close out today with our closing prayer. Come Holy Spirit, living in Mary, prepare me to be a fit instrument in the hands of the Immaculata. Amen. Amen. Coming up after the break, we are going to take a look at the spirituality of St. Louis de Montfort. This week, he, he expands his prayers. He includes a couple of litanies, which can be a bit lengthy. We're going to unpack those litanies later on during the week. Today, we're going to let you know what those litanies are and unpack today's questions as we listen to some great contemporary music here on Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses. We are closing out this segment with Randy Albright's song entitled Woman Clothed in the Sun. He has a great Marian devotion. You can find him at iconrecords.com. That's I-K-A-H-N records.com. In heaven great wonder was seen With a crown of twelve stars and moon under her feet The handmaid of the Holy One A woman clothed with the sun One Sun 
during this part of our program, we are going to take a look at the spirituality of St. Louis de Montfort, who was the inspiration for so many great saints since then on Marian consecration. We will also rehash the questions we've already asked, listen to some good contemporary Christian music while you ponder the discussion questions. This week, we go deeper into the spirituality of St. Louis de Montfort. The theme is knowledge of self. We're going to read a piece now from St. Louis de Montfort's Total Consecration to Jesus through Mary. It reads, prayers, examinations, reflection, acts of renouncement of your own will, of contrition to our sins, of contempt for self, all performed at the feet of Mary, for it is from her that we hope for light to know ourselves. It is near her that we shall be able to measure the abyss of our miseries without despairing. We should employ all our pious actions in asking for a knowledge of ourselves and contrition of our sins, and we should do this in a spirit of piety. During this period, we shall consider not so much the opposition that exists between the spirit of Jesus and ours as the miserable and humiliating state to which our sins have reduced us. Moreover, the true devotion being an easy, short, sure, and perfect way to arrive at union with our Lord, which is Christ-like perfection, We shall enter seriously upon this way, strongly convinced of our misery and helplessness. But how attain this without a knowledge of ourselves? The next element of St. Louis's consecration, you read Luke 11, verses 1 through 10. This is the passage where the disciples ask Jesus how to pray. And he briefly goes into the Our Father. And then he goes into the story about if you you go to your friend at midnight and they want food, you'll give them three loaves. And it wraps up with, if you knock on a door, it shall be opened for you. For everyone that asks, receives, and everyone that seeks, finds, and everyone that knocks, the door shall be opened. That's from Luke 11, 1 through 10. Now is when it gets really good. The next piece of St. Louis de Montfort's is the Litany of the Holy Ghost. If you would like to pray this litany, you will find it posted at 33daystomorningglory.com. That's the number 33daystomorningglory.com. The next prayer that St. Louis prays is the Litany of the Blessed Virgin Mary, also known as the Litany of Laredo. We're going to take a closer look at both of these litanies later on in the week. He then concludes this week's prayers with Ave Maria Stella. And let us listen to that song as we meditate on the first two questions for today. The first question is a reflection on the instruments. There's many musical instruments, kitchen instruments, implements of war, garden tools, and they're all good only if the person knows how to use them. Mary will use you as her instrument. You will become an instrument of her love for children in writing. Try to explain this, being an instrument of love to someone and how important this privilege is to you. Question number two, we often hear about satanic possession, but unfortunately it is a reality. How often do we think of God possessing us, a possession of holiness? What progress are you making towards being possessed by Mary so you can grow in holiness? Do not say not much. You are near the 14th day of progress, a whole half a month. List the prayers, change, list the prayers, changes in attitude, longing for holiness. We're going to listen to Mary and Grace as we meditate on this. Tell 
Questions number three and four from page 58 of the Retreat Companion to 33 Days to Morning Glory. Question number three, words like militia and knighthood appeal to men. They're fighting words. How can this ideal of winning the world for the Immaculata be made appealing to a wider audience, including teens and women, even children? Perhaps you don't think it needs softening. What are your thoughts? And question number four is about love and trust and how they're always partnered together. What experiences with trust, becoming dependent on someone and taking direction from him or her, have you had in the past? Do you look forward to these experiences of dependency on Mary? We're going to wrap up this hour meditating on these two questions, listening to this song by D. Simone called The Martyr's Crown. You can find her at D E E. S-I-M-O-N-E dot com. That's D. Simone, Martyr's Crown.
Try. 